0: Welcome, welcome, welcome in to Caleb and Kenny in the Morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Happy Thursday. Just one more day after this one for a lot of you to, to be on an extended break.
1: This week is dragging for me. I don't know about you.
0: Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd say the
1: opposite. I feel like really? this week is flying, flying by. Yeah. Woke up like, hey, it's Friday. Let's go. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, crap. It's Thursday. <laughs> Isn't that the worst? Actually, the first was my alarm was going off. I'm like, why is my alarm going off and I don't have to work today? I'm like, oh yeah, so you do have to work today and tomorrow. But uh, now it's good to be here this morning on a Thursday.
0: Yes, and uh, some good stuff to get to on the show today. Uh, the Colts, some perhaps positive news heading into Sunday. Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame. National Signing Day was yesterday. The Irish... A quiet but solid class, we'll get to that. Plus, the NFL committed to Christmas Day games, or are they? Interesting comments by NFL officials. Plus, where will Jim Harbaugh be coaching next year? We'll get to uh, mm. the latest details on the Michigan scandal in headlines in a bit. Plus, what is more important in college football today? Is it the transfer portal, or is it recruiting high school players? You know, what? What's the, the best way... As far as the barometer for success. And too many bowl games? How about not enough? Uh, I can't believe we f- forgot to get to this yesterday, but uh, University of Texas San Antonio, a- a.k.a. UTSA, their coach had some incredible comments, incredible scenes, uh, thanks to some coffee. Oh. The bowl sponsors make these bowl games. I think this was maybe a more underrated one.
1: I did uh, hear this, uh, some of his comments oh, yeah. about this. But Good looking stuff. Looking forward to to talking some UTSA. Yeah. Not not Maybe a medical condition. No. A university. <laughs> university of Texas, San Antonio. And
0: before we leave you today, uh, we'll get to a lost dog that was found after years and years. Wow. Yeah. A little feel good story at the end of the show. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your question, comment, rant, whatever you have. Morning, Justin. Hello. Good morning. How we doing? Good. Um, I don't know. Anything interesting happen overnight
1: yesterday? Uh, No, not that I know of. It was a no scrape morning. That was good. Those are good, man. Those are the best. Yes. And looks like 50s for Christmas. Is just absolutely wild. But uh, hopefully everybody is getting their shopping done. You're running out of days. It's December 21st here today. So I would say finish up by tomorrow tomorrow to is when into, i will finish I don't want up. to go into the weekend with stuff correct because even tomorrow i imagine will just be absolute chaos chaos probably after a certain point you
0: think yeah i don't
1: think it'll probably. be bad until like maybe the afternoon yeah i would say early afternoon start picking up people taking half days or full days off or whatever but i would not want to go into the weekend having to do some shopping so get that done today or tomorrow Easy for you to say, Mr. Yeah, Mr. No Mr. Shopping. And I only have a couple more days to go to keep my record intact that I did not buy a single gift this year myself. Now, I made the money to buy those gifts. <laughs> so I did oh. my part. Oh, so you're off the hook. Yes, I, so I, I, I did my part. And then my wife has, uh, you don't want me in charge of getting gifts anyway, because I will take the easy way out every single time. Gift cards? Yeah, I would just... There'd be a, a big stack of gift cards under the tree right now <laughs> if I was in charge. And you know what? A fair amount of people are s- certainly happy with gift cards.
0: I've argued with this about my wife for years. I said, a gift card to something that I know I will like is a great gift for me. And she's like, oh, it's a terrible gift. Like, it's not no. thoughtful. I'm like, to me, it is. Because that means I can pick out whatever I want at some place that i like
1: yes there is no bigger thrill for me than going out to eat somewhere and knowing that i have a gift card there oh yeah that's good there is no better feeling
0: like i usually think of like a a clothing store or some sort of you know or a place where i like to
1: buy stuff from yeah but restaurant gift cards also very very good absolutely clutch but yeah women are like you can't you can't get that no but absolutely i think it's like to
0: me it's thoughtful because you specifically thought of that place that i like and i can yes. go and get whatever i want
1: and you're undefeated it's not a bad gift you're undefeated because they're going to use it now if, as long as you get them to something that they're actually that they actually go um but it's clutch man and that's all i would get people and you know what most people would be happy with it
0: yeah no, I, we're gonna we're
1: gonna put that on the poll Is 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 gift cards? Are gift cards a thoughtful? Yeah, yeah, that's a good good word. Thoughtful, thoughtful because people say it's lazy. But Christmas
0: gift. I think they are. If if you know who you're buying for, and then it's for you know, it's something that they like. Absolutely. So Caleb Kenny thirteen eighty on Twitter slash X. uh, That is literally just posted. Are gift cards a thoughtful Christmas gift? Yes or no? Uh, We have put it on the poll. All right, let's uh, move forward to headlines now. Uh, and a few things we want to get to this morning before we get into the bulk of everything on the show and we start things out national signing day yesterday. And we're not going to focus on all of the, the, the obvious headline, you know, Ohio state gets the number one receiver and this guy flipped there. No, we're going to focus on the fun stuff like Georgia and Alabama being one, two. No, no, (laughs) that that's not the fun stuff. No, the fun stuff uh like king large committing to smu yeah king large offensive king uh, large. lineman uh committing to southern methodist university so we have king large which so welcome.
1: is i i believe his actual
0: name yes uh, uh. also turbo time in boston college mm. uh as boston college welcomed uh howard turbo richard Turbo Richard, huh? Yeah. Take it. A running back. So hopefully we'll, we'll hear more of his name uh, throughout his college tenure. Uh, you have this that happened in Nebraska. Matt Rule talking about players, and, of course, they got the number one quarterback, right, Dylan Raiola. That's not the headline here. The headline is that a couple of players uh, are no longer with the program. Uh-oh. And the first reason, Garrett Snodgrass focusing on agriculture.
1: <laughs> I don't you don't hear that very many places, but uh, in Nebraska, it's a thing. And you then know, Eric Fields, my
0: farming. who would, it would be even funnier if Eric Fields went to focus on agriculture uh, and said, he just went home no longer with the program. Ethan Piper undecided. So yeah, there's an update there. So these are, these are some of the fun stories on national signing Day.
1: focus on agriculture.
0: That's phenomenal. Yeah. So the, these were the, my key, my key takeaways from national signing day. Uh, one other note in the portal is that Tobias Merriweather, former Notre Dame receiver, Set to transfer to Cal. Hmm. So there you have it. Anything else you, you want to contribute to National Signing Day?
1: Um, well, you look at it. I mean, we're going to talk National Signing Day a little bit later for the area programs yeah. that we're going to do. Yeah, so I won't dabble too much into that part, but basically the who's who is at the top. Georgia, the number one class, Alabama, Miami, which is adorable because they'll continue to <laughs> underperform. Eight and five. And Ohio State and Texas. It's, it's astounding to me that people still go to Miami and they still are mediocre. Because they still get talent, yet they can't They win. don't get the right talent, though. Uh, you could make that argument, for sure. Maybe they, like they need to they, recruit more three They had stars a quarterback and, who
0: looked great as a freshman and then fell off a cliff, and now they're back to the drawing board. And that's seemingly
1: the biggest problem. One guy that they did sign, though, is former Notre Dame tar- target and former Ohio State commit, Justin Scott. Yes. five-star D lineman that has signed. And then, of course, around the area yesterday, you had a lot of uh, officials, official letters of intent being signed with Bronte Johnson to Notre Dame and Mylon Graham to Ohio State and Caden Hurst to Ohio University. So congratulations to all those guys inking their spots at the next level. Absolutely. Uh, elsewhere in college football, one other note, Tyler Buckner is
0: returning to Notre Dame. To play lacrosse, he'll graduate in May. Uh, he will stay with Alabama through the playoff, and again, he will not play football. Though, is my understanding, he he couldn't join the team until after May if he wanted to play football because he it would there'd have to be like that separation. Is that does that make sense?
1: Is that's the way I understand it? It was a little confusing. Yeah, it was a little odd, but. I just feel like uh, I don't know if um, the Notre Dame program would want Tyler Buckner back anyway. So that's me.
0: Yeah, uh, if he ch- chooses to play football, he'd have to sit for a year because again he hasn't graduated. But say he graduates, so then he could rejoin the football program over the summer, right? If he wants. But I I'd, I'd be very surprised if if that's where we're at with that moving forward. Uh, elsewhere, the NFL has denied Devontae Kazee's appeal of his suspension, it's however, shocking. he will be allowed to play in the playoffs if the Steelers make the playoffs. Oh, okay. Well, that's good, but I don't know if the Steelers are making the playoffs. We'll see. No, I, I don't think so, and, and the thing about this is, again, they upheld that suspension. He can return to the active roster if they qualify, like... Yeah, it's, I, I I'm not a fan of this. I don't know. That's that's just me.
1: No, we 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 gave our opinions with the suspension to begin with earlier this week. If you missed them, go back listen to the podcast. But um, neither of us agree with what's no, going down with him. No,
0: absolutely not. Uh, meanwhile, Michigan more seemingly going down with the Michigan football program. Michigan got their notice of alleged violations uh, centered around recruiting. So this is for. Uh, Recruiting by the football staff during the COVID-19 recruiting dead period. So they've received the notice for that. Harbaugh, a level one violation for not cooperating with or misleading NCAA investigators about that. And Michigan faces four level two violations, which are less serious. The level one is more serious. Obviously, Harbaugh suspended three games to start the season. uh, And then there was that separate suspension uh, by the Big Ten at the end of the year for everything with Connor Stallion's. Uh, More on Harbaugh in hour number two, but I just get the sense that this is it for him in Ann Arbor.
1: If he can find a lucrative deal from a team in the NFL, and and lucrative being that that big factor, is he going to want to have personnel control for whatever NFL team he goes to? I think that's the big question. Because you look at the Chicago Bears, are they, aren't they going to fire Matt Iverflus? They're not getting rid of Ryan Poles, a GM. So if you wanted Jim Harbaugh to go to Chicago, for example, is Jim Harbaugh, one of his caveats, going to be, I want personnel control, of which he's not going to get in Chicago. So we got Michigan coming up in in a couple weeks in the college football playoff, depending on what happens there. Could be a big indicator on what Jim Harbaugh does going forward. But he is going to want a lot of money and, in my opinion, a lot of control wherever he goes in the NFL.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we'll talk about some coaching possibilities for him in the NFL, including one new place that has emerged and I think is absolutely the perfect fit Hmm. for Jim Harbaugh. We'll get to that about 8.05. Is it the new
1: indoor program, indoor Arena League (laughs) team in In Fishers? No. Yeah, in Fishers? No. No, (laughs) No, Uh, it is not. Did you see this? Um, uh, You guys, have you guys ever been on a cruise? No. Okay. So there was a Bahamas bound cruise, a week long cruise. That was uh, headed out of New York on uh, last Saturday. I've sailed out of New York, too, but we went north. Mm-hmm. These folks on this cruise ship also went north, but they were supposed to go to the Bahamas. Who? Oh. Due to storms and weather concerns, instead of going south, they went to Boston, Maine and Canada for their week-long and when cruise. was this this week? Uh, so last week, so you're getting on the on the, the cruise ship in New York. Oh, we're going to go to sunny, uh, very nice weather in the Bahamas. Couple stops at some islands. Blah blah blah. Instead, you go to Boston, Maine, and Canada. I mean, that is the risk
0: you take by going during hurricane season. Very true, but uh, people,
1: very I would not be happy. No, I've 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 sailed out of New York, and we went up. We went up to um british columbia and stuff like that and it was fun but we knew what we were getting into these people did not dressed for summer and were taken up so like you can't even enjoy walking around the ship because you'd be too cold right exactly and and that's one thing Assuming you, you have a into, jacket
0: if you came from yeah, a cold weather locale probably to begin don't with. a lot probably didn't
1: so yeah i would hope they get some I, sort I hope of they discount. get it like a credit like, you get to go on the cruise, but then I hope you get a credit as well, because that, that is a nightmare. That is uh, absolutely terrible. You can't hang out at the beach and all that stuff going to Maine and Canada. So, I saw that story this morning, thought i passed. Yeah, Brutal. Awful. Uh,
0: in college sports, so Oregon and Washington State, this is good news, they're nearing an agreement to join the West Coast Conference as affiliate members. So, this would be including men's and women's basketball along with several other sports, obviously not football, because the West Coast Conference doesn't participate in football, but this would be big as far as them. The the two schools already have an agreement with the Mountain West to play six football games against Mountain West Conference teams next year. Um, Beavers and Cougars games against those schools in football will not count toward conference standings, um, but their games will count toward the standings for other sports in the West Coast Conference. So they found that bridge agreement for everyone. Now, if we could have some common sense and maybe, you know, have conferences not just realign for football, that's the next step.
1: What's the end game for Oregon State, Washington State in football, you think? I mean, do they become members of the Mountain West?
0: Um, It depends what happens with the Pac-12 TV money. I mean, there there's court battles going on over that. So if they get to keep that, my guess is they'll keep the Pac-12 name And then they will try to, look, we got all this money. We'll lure you to come
1: join our conference, and they'll probably get all the Mountain West schools to do so. Yeah, you think so? I just think Mountain West is in a position of strength to negotiate with them because they have the teams. But I guess if If they get the TV TV money, though, they're in the position of strength. Yeah. It's just uh,
0: fascinating. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. Continuing on in our headlines this morning, the Pacers get a much-needed win They blow out the Charlotte Hornets last night, 144-113. to Pretty easy game for Indiana. Uh, They were already up, uh, I think, 11 at halftime. Cruz from there, Buddy Heald with 25 points to lead the Pacers, 19-13 assists for Halliburton. Turner with 18, 19 points for Aaron Neesmith off the bench as well. So the Pacers get a much-needed win and snap that losing streak after the in-season tournament hangover.
1: Well, they needed to beat Charlotte. Charlotte is yeah. very good. And Memphis so, coming up. So you have t-
0: uh, Memphis record wise is bad, but with John
1: Morant, they're not the same true. team. True, different team. But Pacers needed this one in the worst way after losing five straight games dating back to the NBA Cup final. So not only that, playing, I guess, good defense, holding yeah. Charlotte to 113 <laughs> yeah, <I> points. Mean,
0: <laughs> that's the NBA now, right? I, I mean, if you barely. can hold a team to. I'm Under really. 120, I well, guess. Well, I think for the
1: Pacers, especially for them, that's respectable. Pretty, pretty respectable. So, see if the Pacers can continue to turn it around, and they have a, a challenge with John Morant and the Grizzlies coming up soon.
0: And Purdue Fort Wayne went on the road to Pitt and fell 62 to 48. So the Dons' a winning streak
1: was snapped. Jalen Jackson had 10 points
0: for the Dons in the loss. Dons
1: just uh, fell behind early and really didn't have a chance in this game. They were down by as much as, what, 20-plus points mm-hmm. in this game. Fought back to make it look respectable, but... Hey, they um, covered. They did. But well, did they cover? Yeah. Really? It's 14-and-a-half. So congrats to the Dons for covering, I guess. <laughs> but um, it's, a, it's a good trip to go on, playing in an ACC environment, an ACC team, a pretty solid Pitt Panthers team this year. But uh, the Mastodons... Struggled, shot just five of 26 from three, only shot six free throws all game and only hit three of them. Uh, Pitt controlled this game, was up 14 at half. Mastodons only scored 17 points in the first half. So, and I think that's maybe a big thing when we look at, at the Mastodons going forward and getting into the thick of the Horizon League is that, that post play for Purdue fort Wayne. They don't really, outside of Eric Mulder, don't have a true post. And we'll see how that affects them over the course of the Horizon League schedule, because I think they were greatly outmatched in the post yesterday against an ACC foe. And we'll see if that uh, is something that they can overcome. Out-rebounded out 46-30 to 30 last night against Pitt. You're going up against a Power 6 program in Pitt. They're going to have the edge in talent, but they definitely had the edge in the post last night.
0: All right, four six eight six two, your text line number again. Four six eight six two. Couple of thoughts on our gift cards as Christmas gifts. Again, uh, Twitter poll is up. Caleb Kinney thirteen eighty, where you can vote. Are gift cards a thoughtful Christmas gift? Uh, let us know on the poll, yes or no. A couple of texts on that. Why do women or wives think that their husbands are the only guys that think of gift cards during Christmas?
1: No, everybody wants gift cards, especially if you have you have no idea what to get somebody. Kids love gift gift cards. cards. Oh, they absolutely
0: Uh, do. Remember like 10, 15 years ago, getting an iTunes gift card was like, oh, this is awesome.
1: Right? Clutch. Now, there's a difference between gift cards, in my opinion, and prepaid like Visa cards. Yes. I think that's lazy. Uh, I I know because they're a pain in the ass to activate and use. So I think uh, a a thoughtful gift card is to a particular restaurant or store or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think a lazy gift is the prepaid Visa cards. So you have to put some effort into it, but yes, gift cards, I believe are a thoughtful gift, particularly if you're getting it for somebody and you know, in particular, they're going to use it at that particular establishment.
0: Yeah. I, uh, another thought on this restaurant gift cards are great gifts. As long as you use them before the restaurant closes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, I've never ran into this. I don't think, but my, my parents would always keep, um, gift cards to like, uh, Restaurants back in the day that would close, and they would find all these gift cards, like or back their gift certificates, because they just save them. Like ah, when we go there, we'll use. It. Well, they never went there, and they closed. So yes, keep. We have a little bag on our on our key uh, holder on the wall right by the door that has all our gift cards in there. Now, if you can remember to actually grab them when you're going out, that's the the key thing. But more gift cards, the merrier, and it saves on wrapping and and. And space and trash. Oh, there's no there's no negatives to gift cards over here. <laughs> Definitely not.
0: Remember when they were just gift certificates and they were actually like a
1: yeah, know. no, like big fat envelope. Yes. You had to have you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, gift card is just much more convenient.
1: Oh, it's clutch. It F- fits have in to, your wallet. Don't even have to go to the establishment. You can just go to Walmart or Kroger and just do. Mm-hmm. You can do all your shopping in one fell swoop at the end of the aisle with all the gift card. Cards
0: that's true. On there, that's true. It's clutch. All right, continuing on, the Colts get uh, some good news on the injury front. Jonathan Taylor, a full participant in Wednesday's walkthrough. Michael Pittman Jr. was limited uh, uh, in concussion protocol. He's working through the steps. That one's more of a toss-up. Zach Moss also could play, but it was the first time that Taylor's a full participant since surgery on his thumb. I think Taylor coming back before the end of the year is the biggest thing that I think could push the Colts into the playoffs because we saw how much the running game was a non factor. A, a couple of games that the Titans game, the Colts won in overtime, the Bengals game, which was a blowout loss. Yes, they got it going last week, but I, I just think that is the biggest thing the Colts need. If you get Jonathan Taylor back, it, it gives this offense more options and opens things up because without him, it just feels like every week is you don't know what team you're going to get. Can they run the ball? Can they not run the ball like that? That's a big question mark.
1: Well, they've been able to do it recently. I think with Jonathan Taylor out last week, especially, but you look at what Jonathan Taylor has been able to do since he came back. Um, It's early on. They struggled against Tennessee and Jacksonville to run the ball, found his stride against Cleveland, New Orleans, Carolina, and then the game in Germany with new England and then Tampa Bay, the, the game that he uh, uh, got hurt in, 91 yards and a couple of touchdowns. I do think it would be a tremendous boost to the Colts. I just, I, I still come down to just saying, well, it's, it comes down to the offensive line. If they block, then whoever's back there is going to be able to carry the ball and, and get some yardage. And if they don't, then they're not going to. And I think that this Colts offensive line deserves some credit to be. Consistent enough that the Colts have been able to run the ball more often than not, regardless of who's back there.
0: And I think the, the part that would be huge if he's ready to be back, Atlanta has a good defense. So they're 10th overall in total defense, just 15th against the run, 8th in scoring defense, 2nd in red zone defense, 3rd on 3rd down. So this is a defense that statistically, the the one thing the Colts can take advantage of, right, is running the football. All the other areas, Atlanta's pretty stingy. That's something you keep in mind for Sunday's game.
1: If you can control the ball on the road, however you do it, and put up points, of course, have a good shot at Atlanta. But I think this is the game of, of the three that are left for Indianapolis. You have to have the other two at home. I don't know if the Colts can go 3-0 and to close out the season, but I do know that they need to win both home games. Yes. So this one is kind of... A bonus if you can get this one. And maybe you build yourself a little bit of leeway going into the final two. But I really think it's going to come down to the Colts, regardless of what happens this weekend, winning both in week 17 and week 18.
0: 46862, how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Six, two, if you have thoughts on the Colts or if you have thoughts on national signing day from yesterday, Notre Dame quietly adding a solid class plus. Ryan Walters gets his first class uh, since settling in at Purdue, and Kurt Signetti gets some players with more to come. We'll dive into an what interesting happened. quote too. Yes. from Kurt. Cignetti Absolutely. Yesterday. We'll dive into all that next here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. Ooh, this is this is definitely a modern yeah Christmas classic.
1: I would consider this song. My favorite Favorite Christmas song. song? No, not Christmas song. My favorite Wham song. Wow. Wow. You can have Wake Me Up. You can have Careless Whisper. Give Me Last Christmas. You you would pick this over Careless Whisper. Yes.
0: (sighs) Hey, that's tough. I I know. know. No,
1: I get it. I'm I'm in in the minority. I'm saying, but this this is my favorite Wham song. This might
0: be one of the hottest takes you've ever had on the show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's... uh, because it's uh, it's an OG, like it's not a remake of anything, basically. And it's it's timeless. Still playing Wham! It's one of my, if not my favorite Wham! song, has to be probably in the top two. That's, that's bold. But that's I mean, mean it,
0: it is a classic, like a modern Christmas classic. I was actually reading the other day, because I've thought about this, like, why are all the classic Christmas songs, you know, from the 40s and 50s, Like, well, part of it is a lot of them were written then. Right. The other part is a lot of the songs have this kind of like yearning because, well, I don't know, World War II going on. Right. (laughs) And so you you can try to duplicate them, as many people have done, but you can't get that sound like the same because it just doesn't have the same meaning, like because of the time period. Right. I mean, you can do a remake, but it's not going to sound the same
1: exactly and and part of it is that imperfect sound recording mm-hmm. with the ribbon mics yeah exactly is is that that's part of the uh I guess the allure for me for Christmas songs, and i, I you could have all the modern remakes of of Christmas songs, I'm not interested in them yeah, yeah, but same Wham brings it with last Christmas
0: that is I would say that's the best version of that song, yes. I would even say that's not even debatable. Uh, not even close.
1: It's not even close.
0: If if someone can point us to a better version of Last Christmas uh, other than the Wham version, let us know at four six eight six two. Also, let us know uh, Caleb Kinney thirteen eighty on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. Are gift cards a thoughtful Christmas gift? Yes or no? You can vote in our poll question for the day. All right, back to sports talk. Notre Dame, no drama this year. All 23 commits signed. In fact, signed pretty quickly as Marcus Freeman wrapped up uh, another recruiting class in South Bend. Last year, of course, he had the high-profile flips. Keon Keeley, uh, who flipped before signing day, but was a big loss. Uh, He didn't even play this past season at Alabama. And then Peyton Bowen, who flipped... Oh, what? To Oregon and then to... Oklahoma, where he actually ended up on the same on the same day on signing day last year. Right. He was committed to Notre Dame going in. So uh, he had 33 tackles, but no picks. So, again, hard to really know if those misses were big misses or not because we don't have enough of a sample size even after one year. But I think you have to look at what Freeman did. I'm buying. I know it's not flashy. We had four top 100 commits this year. Last year, just two. Uh, also, you got an elite quarterback an elite wide receiver, and that was after your wide receivers coach was fired and your offensive coordinator left for a head coaching job at Troy. And, and there was, like, no wavering. There was no doubt, and I think it's an accomplishment based on the, the turnover and the coaching staff that everyone was signed, sealed, and delivered without any drama yesterday.
1: No, I, I think it was a relatively calm um, signing day, and that's good. I think the, there's two ways you can look at this for Notre Dame. Is You can say what you said, and there, it's all true, for sure. You can also look at it and say, okay, your, your 247 sports composite ranking was 10th. You were the 10th best recruiting class in the country in the class of 2024. Uh, what were, Last year... They were 12th. 12th they, they fell back. So bad. they're moving up. But before that, they had top 10, inside the top 10 in 21 and 22. 2021, you were ninth. Twenty twenty two, you are seventh. So my question is, and, and this is something we've 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 asked several times on this show, is is the level of recruiting jumping up to a level that people expected with Marcus Freeman taking over for Brian Kelly? All right, here's a stat that I think will maybe be more of a sell than than the
0: four top one hundred compared to just two last year. So Notre Dame signed two top fifty overall prospects according to the twenty four seven sports composite. Last time Irish uh, managed to do that uh, in the previous ten recruiting cycles was 2020 with Michael Mayer and Jordan Johnson. So Jordan Johnson, who couldn't? Yeah, exactly. Michael <laughs> Mayer obviously playing the NFL now, having success as a tight end for the Raiders. But one, it goes to show you recruiting isn't everything. But also two, this is a step up from what they've done previously. So uh,
1: and they beat LSU, right? Yeah. So keep that in mind. Uh, Yeah, and I I think, uh, barely, LSU was 11th, but still, they beat them. I, I also think it's an interesting question to ask because people will look at it and say, well, Notre Dame, to compete for national championships, needs to be up with Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State at the top. My thing is, is Notre Dame even capable of doing that? Because they have to play by a lot different rules than Georgia and Alabama and even, yes, Ohio State. So we look at this, and is the lower part of the top 10 really the apex for Notre Dame consistently and what they can do in recruiting? Because, uh, to say it plain, you can't bring in dumb kids at Notre Dame, okay? So they have to play by those rules. That really, nobody else has to, at least in the top. You know, Georgia can find a place to put dumb kids. Alabama can find a place to put dumb kids, as long as they're really good football players. Same with Ohio State. Notre Dame can't do that. You can't hide kids somewhere and have them take general studies classes and get them all a bunch of um, tutors and all that stuff. Yes, they have help, but you can't mask that. And I think in today's recruiting landscape, is this the apex of what Notre Dame can do? And that's not a knock on Notre Dame whatsoever. I just think you look at it and say, this maybe with the constraints that they have to operate under, maybe 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th recruiting class, early teens is the best they can do. I I feel
0: like as long as they're in or around the top 10, they'll be in the conversation because, you know, several years ago prior to the portal, I would have said, yeah, you got to be laning all this elite talent. That's not really the case anymore because a lot of the, a lot of these elite players will go for a season. They don't play and then they transfer elsewhere. And it's just, you know, this is the nature of the beast now in, in college football. So, yeah. Uh UCLA you got that top quarterback, right? And Dante Moore he played a few games and he got benched and now he's transferring to Oregon to ironically sit on the bench for another year behind Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. So, so Dylan like, Gabriel. I, I guess I'm not as concerned in Georgia and Alabama's, you know, stronghold over recruiting is not as strong. I believe uh at one point there were like no team had more than two five-star play. I don't know if that held true, but no team had more
1: than two five-star players, uh, Texas, well, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, and Texas all have three or more.
0: Okay. Uh, so maybe it was the top 10 that no team had two or more. Cause that was the change where you had a top 10, where you had 10 different teams represented, right? Which I believe held true, uh, through yesterday. And so you're seeing that change and shift in recruiting, uh, I also think Notre Dame does a great job of developing players. So they're in a position to take advantage of that. And if guys want to trade transfer, I, I, to me, the next step is Notre Dame figuring out how to get, you, you know, undergrads. Underclass.
1: Yes. Undergrads of the portal. Now, yes. and I, I don't know if it was Pete Sampson or, or Tim Priester that pointed this out on the athletic, that technically Riley Leonard is not a grad student. He is still That's true. an undergrad. So, Notre Dame, I think, is starting to figure out, and maybe the the admissions office and and the guidelines are loosening a little bit to make things happen. I, I but Riley Leonard is not a grad; he only has one year of eligibility left. But he's not technically a grad student, which used to be early in the portal days. You had to be a grad student to to be admitted into Notre Dame. So I think with those guidelines lessening a little bit I think that's big for Notre Dame I, I still I agree with you in the sense that Notre Dame is still going to get their players other than unless they have a disastrous quote-unquote which is disastrous for them would be outside the top 15 in my opinion uh, outside, if as long as they don't do that they're fine but they need to figure out a way to make greater strides in the portal to bring in guys with multiple years of eligibility are we starting to see that with Riley Leonard at least in the sense that he's not a grad student technically and if that can loosen up a little bit, I think it's going to be helping helpful for Notre Dame because I still, as you mentioned, you know, how many of these guys that they signed yesterday, 23, are in the portal next year? I mean, four or five, at least? Yeah,
0: that's just the nature it's of college the football. Nature I, of how it is. And I, if
1: you I, can't recruit those guys to then come to your school that have two, three years of eligibility left, then it leaves a void in the middle of your roster between your seniors and your freshmen.
0: I also think the biggest thing in college football is still holds true. And that's been this way for roughly not quite a decade, but almost a decade. If you get an elite quarterback, you can rise above look what Clemson did with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, nearly back to back. There was like a one year gap in between and they still made the playoff that year. Go figure. But look at what they did getting Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence who ironically went to the same high school. If I'm not, not mistaken uh, in Georgia. So they, this is before Georgia, you know, was dominating the recruiting front a couple of years before. But both those guys, well, they won national championships. They're recruiting outside of that. I mean, yeah, they were hovering around the top ten, but they weren't competing for recruiting championships, which I think is laughable because, you know, we saw Texas A&M do that, and what have they done since? I mean, most of those guys out them, transferred out, but right? It,
1: but it has worked out for teams like Georgia and Alabama. Yes.
0: So I I, th- I think being in the conversation is key, and I I really like this text that someone texted in a four six eight six two Notre Dame is fine where they are. They have to be better at coaching and developing players. No reason why Notre Dame can't do what Michigan
1: is doing. Agreed. I even think though that it's easier to get into Michigan than Notre Dame. It is. Uh, so Michigan is a, a very good institution of higher learning, but it's not Notre Dame. That's for sure. I mean, who was the player last year that couldn't get into Notre Dame and ended up at Michigan? The recruit. Yeah, Cameron. no, that yeah so, I forget his name, but that did happen. So, yes, Michigan can develop and, and has significant guidelines, but they're not Notre Dame in terms of academics. Meanwhile, Marcus Freeman
0: saying they will have a national search for the new offensive coordinator. No timetable. Tight end coaching experience could be a factor. And oh, Mike Gino Gidouli, is a yeah, well, Gino Gadulli is currently on staff, quarterbacks coach, has experienced coaching tight ends. Um, he is probably the only in-house candidate I think they would even consider. But yeah, Mike Denbrock. We'll see. I I highly doubt they can pull him away from LSU after that raise and contract extension elsewhere in the state. I just, IU. I did, I'll, I'll say
1: real quick. I, yeah, I don't think Geno Gooduli is, is a candidate. You can say that. He'll interview. There's no way he's getting the.
0: Yeah, job. no. I don't think he's getting. I'm just saying he's the only
1: in-house candidate, which doesn't really mean yeah, which, a lot. I mean, he'll get he'll get an interview. Marcus Freeman will say all the right things. He has one year of offensive coordinator experience at Cincinnati. That's it. He's not getting that job. Anyway, go ahead. Talk about who. Uh,
0: IU coach Kurt Signetti. A uh, couple of interesting comments. Uh huh. First off, that he was driving and, and blew a tire <laughs> on his car. Very nice. While driving it in. was
1: not me. I promise it was not me. That that uh, sabotaged his car. <laughs> so from from all the late nights and getting up early, he's
0: like, I haven't done this since like 1986, is what he said. But he also said something I I found fascinating. So Indiana added 31 signees yesterday, but they're waiting to announce seven signings until after bowl games, hmm. which tells me they have commitments from they in, have a lot of players? other commitments uh, from guys or, or verbals. Who, yeah, playing in bowl games. So that. I think is fascinating. That means they're going to add a lot. Remember, they lost a lot. What was it? Like 25, 26 guys in the portal. Yeah. They're able to keep a couple of those guys at Indiana. But that is something to think about. James Madison plays in their bowl game on Saturday, and mm. who knows if we'll get a bunch of leaks right after that game as far as who is going to Bloomington. But overall, they were able to lock in Tyler Cherry, top quarterback in the state, highest-ranked quarterback IU's ever gotten, big positive for him and first recruiting class.
1: Obviously, this is going to be a process. You look at the rankings for the Big Ten in terms of the classes. And pretty solid for Purdue. Eighth yesterday for Purdue. And, and, and that's a positive for Ryan Walters. And, I, and I've, I've been critical of Ryan Walters and how year one went and the, the portal and everybody leaving, but that's a pretty good haul for Ryan Walters in his first real entire cycle in recruiting eighth in the big 10 Indiana gets a pass for me because of a new coach they were 16 out of 18 teams only Northwestern and UCLA were worse in terms of their recruiting class in Indiana but I give a pass to the Hoosiers and Kurt Signetti because of him obviously coming in late so if we're judging purely based on incoming freshmen you look at the big 10 rankings you have Ohio State Oregon and Penn State one two three You have to go down to 8th for Purdue and 16th for Indiana.
0: With Purdue, I mean, they were able to get a a four-star defensive player, their highest-ranked player since George Karloftis several years ago. I believe their best class since the Karloftis-David Bell class of, what, 2018?
1: Yeah, I think 2017, 2018, so it was a good class. I mean, you look at, at getting Coy Beasley, who can be an impact guy on the back end of the defense, you bring in Marcos, Marcos Davila, who is, by all accounts, a really good quarterback out of Midland, Texas. Luke Williams as well, another safety. Uh, you bring in Daman Marable out of Tennessee. He's a safety. That's pretty solid. So I think the back end of that defense can be really good. I do think it's a pivotal year for Purdue heading into year two of Ryan Walters because they definitely have momentum on the recruiting trail. But if you don't start winning football games, that dries up pretty quickly. And if, if, if Purdue can come out, make a bowl game next year, we've already went through the schedule and say, where do they get six wins? But if they can make a bowl game, I think that continues the momentum in recruiting.
0: The schedule is interesting because you get Notre Dame at home, you go to Oregon State. That's just two of the three non-con games. You have Indiana State uh, to open up the season. Uh, then you have Nebraska at home, very winnable game, at Wisconsin, at Illinois, Oregon, at Aid, Northwestern at home, at Ohio State, Penn State at home, at Michigan State, at Indiana. I mean, you got to find a way to get a bowl game, right? As as you said, that is that is the key thing you got to check because despite going 4 and 8, Purdue had outstanding fan support all season long. I think part of it is the the renovations they made at Aid Stadium. Sure, That helped, a new coach, that certainly helped. Yeah, there's helped. excitement.
1: But you got to keep that
0: momentum uh going into year number 2 and you can't lose it. Say after homecoming, which is the Nebraska game, the end of September.
1: So where does Purdue find those six wins? The momentum that Ryan Walters still has, despite some people saying a disappointing year one, be included. But it helped on the recruiting trail. They landed some 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 big time players. We'll see if Purdue then can land some guys too in the portal, which they've been able to do to offset some of their losses. But that's kind of a, a recap of recruiting in the state with the three. Big programs. And Indiana, it's tough to judge them because when you're in a transition year between coaches, it can be difficult. But I think Indiana, if they can show market improvement on the recruiting trail next year, they finished very well, landing Tyler Cherry, their lone four-star commit and signee to this cycle. If they can go into next year and pick up where they left off, I think they're in good shape.
0: uh, someone texting, and don't forget, uh, they signed five or six offensive linemen first time in school history. They signed that many offensive linemen. Talking about believe that's talking about Purdue, yeah. yeah. They did a good job. In that, that, Look, that was the area that was a weakness. The, the offensive line decimated by injuries. Um, Defensive line was great. The offensive line, not so much. If they can shore that up, maybe we can see what we expected out of Hudson Card
1: last season, next season. Well, and I think the big thing, too, is, is it, it was a combination between the recruiting freshman and the transfer portal. So you get a uh, Joey Tenona from Notre Dame, a guy that had originally said he was uh, done with football and now coming back a former uh, four-star guy at Notre Dame. So you bring him in the offensive line. You bring uh, was it DJ Wingfield from New Mexico in, you have the guy from ball state that's going there, Stuart. So you're seeing that both in the portal and on the recruiting trail in terms of guys that they brought in as freshmen. So, trying to improve that line play is of paramount importance. Jordan King among those, uh, part of the six
0: high school recruits. Uh, Purdue added uh, another name, John Randall Jr. Yes, that John Randall.
1: Well, we were we were comparing, because there's now a Devin Hester Jr. that yeah. signed yesterday, <laughs> which made us feel old. Yeah. Never, never...
0: Uh, Never ceases to be disappointing and and more of a what shock was, to the system.
1: What was the, the bowl game earlier this week where Cade McNown's kid was yes, playing? Against uh Chad Pennington's Chad kid. Chad Pennington's kid. So you had what Marshall was where it Chad was? Marshall and went. UTSA. Okay, so it was Marshall UTSA? That's where Pennington went. You had uh Cade McNown go to UCLA. Uh of course one of the illustrious line of of Bears draft picks at quarterback that really turned out. But uh, yeah, not to make you feel old, but Chad Pennington's kid versus Cade McNown's kid in a bowl game this week.
0: Uh, someone texting in this question uh, at 46862, CK, UCLA recruiting class was one of the worst in the Big Ten. Don't the kids they would normally get want to play at Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin records, etc. Obviously tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> but no, the issue at UCLA is they simply, Chip Kelly simply doesn't recruit high schoolers.
1: He believes in the portal. That's his thing. Which will will remain to be seen if he's taking the, uh, the Deion Sanders approach. But you look at it, he got Rico Flores from Notre Dame. He got Brian Addison from Oregon. But by and large, they haven't had a lot of guys in the portal. They have currently four commitments right now in the portal. So it's not like they're loading up there, at least not yet. And it is a very lackluster class for UCLA. No four stars, no five stars. Who doesn't want to go to SoCal and play?
0: Right? I, I feel like with UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten, a lot of people thought, oh, that's going to hurt recruiting in the Midwest because guys are going to want to go out to California knowing that they'll play these Big Ten schools. Well, that really hasn't been proven to be true as of
1: yet. doesn't we'll look see. like they, and even USC uh, ranked 18th in recruiting yesterday. So they struggle. Lincoln Riley, I don't think is as on solid ground as some no. people like to think. Uh, next year is a, it feels like a make
0: or break year for Lincoln Riley uh, in Southern California. Also, someone pointing out C.K. Brian Erlocker's son signed with Notre Dame yesterday as well. That is correct. Is so, Kennedy Urlacher? Uh, along with uh, Bryant Young's son.
1: Bryant Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Bri-
0: yeah. Not that Not to Bryce be confused Young. with the other Bryce
1: Young. Yes, but uh, some some uh, legacy guys now signing Kennedy Urlacher, a three-star safety out of Chandler, Arizona.
0: Quick timeout. and we come back, the NFL is committed to Christmas Day games. Or are they? We'll explain. Caleb and Kenny in the Morning, 1380 The Fan, and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the Morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Is this Weezer's best song? Talk about Ooh. Wham. Ooh, that's tough. Now, Beverly Hills is pretty solid. Yeah, this, this one might might be, though, their best song. They have a lot of... Their, some of their newer stuff was really good. They came out a really? couple years ago. Yeah. Take a listen. in fact, you used to live in the hometown of uh, Buddy Holly. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, you, you've ended up better than Buddy Holly. Oh, I'm still so far. So far, yeah. I, <laughs> not a rock and roll sensation, but no, you not yet anyway. But um, so far so good, Buddy Holly. I think you're older than Buddy Holly now. Yes, he was not very old. Gosh, they he have was like 22.
0: A, they have a. It's it's wild, right? They have a whole like kind of museum. It's very cool, really, uh, to kind of go through and and see everything. And then they opened like a performing arts center named after him, which that happened since I lived there.
1: But yeah. Lubbock, Texas. I didn't know he was from Lubbock. Yeah, huh. yeah. I mean, were you a how How big was Texas Tech? Oh, it's everything. You got to it remember, everything? it's
0: Texas. It's. Well, I
1: know, I know, but nationally, you don't think of Texas Tech, but like in Lubbock, it's, oh, it's it's, it's everything. Insane.
0: Yeah, nice. I mean, people people love football, and you got to remember. So during the Mike Leach era, like they had a ton of success. Yeah, um, they haven't had success since then, but they've had notable people. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Cliff Kingsbury. As a a coach, um, they've had good coaches between football and basketball. And now they landed like what the number six overall recruit or something. Nice. Uh, So Joey McGuire is a former high school coach in Texas. Is doing something there. The New Look Big 12 is going to be fascinating next season. I agree. Uh, That will be fascinating to watch and how that plays out. Uh, What will not be fascinating is the NFL's commitment or lack thereof for Christmas day games. I think this is the stupidest thing. So (laughs) the NFL says they're committed to Christmas and games on Christmas, except when games fall, uh, except when Christmas
1: falls on a Tuesday or Wednesday. (laughs) Well, I mean, I agree. I don't, you're not going to play in the middle of the week, but you can't have teams playing Sunday and then Tuesday. Just give them a buy after the week after. That's how you like. It's an easy fix. Yeah, but you're not giving buys that late in the season. You're not going to do it. So I, I understand. You don't want to play mid middle of the week. I mean, I argue that Thursday you shouldn't even be playing Thursday oh, yeah,
0: games. I just I think it's laughable to say that you're committed to Christmas, but then you're
1: you're not going to play most of those dates. Oh, I get it. I I, I wouldn't be playing in the middle of the week because this late in the season, it's difficult to give teams buys, and so. Uh, I agree with them in terms of not playing middle of the week, but I would say Thursday too. But of course, you know, we have Thursday night football.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, triple editor games coming up on Christmas day on Monday. You can listen to them all right here on 1380. The fan in 100.9 FM, but they're trying not to overload Christmas with games. If they can help it (laughs) as they add three games. (laughs) Here's why I question this. So they did the Black Friday game, and it was an absolute dud. And I get it, the matchup wasn't good. Well, it was but, the dud, rating but was it was terrible.
1: Still, well, the rating was amazing for everything that's not NFL. True. I mean, it was a dud by NFL standards.
0: But it wasn't the top rated. Uh, you had college games getting better ratings.
1: No? Not that day. No, that it, was, day? it was the long. it was the biggest Black Friday football rating in like 15 years or something for any game. But it's just not up to NFL standards.
0: No, and the top college games were moved from Friday to Saturday. Like, the Iron Bowl, for example, used to be a Friday game a couple of years. Right. And that's been moved to Saturday.
1: I just think wherever, whenever NFL plays, it's going to dominate no matter what day it is. I just, at some point, I, I think the biggest thing playing on Tuesday Wednesday, you would have players push back. Like, there's no way you can play on Tuesday. Unless you're giving them a bye before I think that's the bigger thing is they can't play on Sunday or Saturday or Friday. They would have to play. They would have to have a bye. But this late in the season, I don't think you're going to see that. What I would like to see, two byes.
0: Well, season. yeah,
1: right? That's, that's how you solve this. I mean, I, I don't know if it solves the holidays, but I think But then you have to games, push back
0: the postseason even more. Or which I, I say, well, I say you drop the week in between the conference championship games of the Super Bowl. That's the dumbest thing. It's unnecessary. Well, yeah, you know, they want two weeks of hype and and understand, but I agree. Like, that's how you solve this. You add a bye into
1: the season, and then you keep the schedule as is. I would be for that. I I think, though, with the, I mean, look at all the injuries around the NFL, for sure. I I think building in two buys for a team, each team, would be tremendous. Because some of these teams that are getting buys in week 13, I mean, that's a long time to play games with no break. Weeks 1 through 12. So I, I do think that uh, the NFL at some point, I think the Players Association should push, push for it. I, I think the Players Association puts up with a lot of stuff because they make a hell of a lot of money. And I think the NFL says, well, we can do whatever with the players as long as we just keep throwing money at them. And unfortunately, the Players Association just gobbles it up. It says, yeah, we'll play Thursdays. Yeah, we'll play this. We'll do this. We'll do that more as long as the money's flowing, and then they want to complain about player safety and health, is you have the power to say, no, we're not going to do this and we're going to have two buys, which I think would be astronomically effective for players and recovery. And remember, college has two buys now. Yes. They shifted the schedule. shorter, Shorter season. Why can't
0: the NFL figure it out?
1: I agree. I think I, I agree with your, your theory and your solution. Get rid of the, the buy between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. It's unnecessary. It already has enough hype, et cetera, et cetera. Add two buys for every team in the NFL.
0: I just, ultimately, to me, it's, it's funny. They say, oh, we're committed to games on Christmas, except if Christmas falls on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, get another buy and
1: you can fix the problem. Yeah, I just think it'd be an absolute cluster if you try. In the existing schedule model, to have games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So
0: again, no no games next year on Christmas Day because it's Christmas Tuesday. falls on a Wednesday.
1: Christmas is a Wednesday? Yeah, because it's so a leap year next year. Yeah, not even any Christmas Eve games next year. So keep that in mind. Deal with it. <laughs> Coming
0: up on the other side, from NFL scheduling to a college coach with the pros on his radar, a new team has emerged for Jim Harbaugh. I think it's the absolute perfect fit. That is next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two here on a Thursday. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, and you with us on the text line here at 46862. Again, 46862. That is the text line number. And you can uh, reach us. Just put in CK before your question or comments. Also, uh, coming up this hour on the show, you can uh, hear from us, discuss all things from Jim Harbaugh. The perfect fit for him in the NFL. We'll get to that in a bit. Plus, what's more important in college football today? Is it National Signing Day and recruiting high school players? Or is it the transfer portal? And some might say there are too many bowl games. We say there are not enough in the latest detail from just an incredible... Incredible night a couple nights ago for UTSA. Incredible comments. Incredible sponsor placement. I think we finally found the recipe for for a bowl game to have success. And a lost dog found after living six and a half years on her own. We'll uh, give you the details on that about 850, 855 or so this hour. Also, our poll question for today. haven't done one of these in a while, but our poll question is, are gift cards a thoughtful Christmas gift. Uh, yes or no, you can vote Caleb Kinney 1380 on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we have our poll question up for
1: today. Keyword, thoughtful. Is it a thoughtful gift? Is it a lazy gift? Any? And we're not talking getting someone a Visa gift card. No, no, we're actually talking to a restaurant, to a store, to something. Even an Amazon gift card. Is it thoughtful? Let us know. 46862. Or vote on the poll. On yeah. the Twitter machine. Yeah. Or the X machine. Whatever it is. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Uh,
0: so, Jim Harbaugh uh, got some bad news yesterday. The NCAA sent their notice of level one allegations against him for recruiting violations. This has nothing to do with Connor Stallings. This has everything to do with recruiting during an NCAA dead period due to COVID-19. And that stems uh, back to the uh, three-game suspension at the start of this season for Coach Harbaugh. So... Now he has that on the record. We'll see what becomes of it. But this is a long, drawn-out process, right? So it may not even have an impact uh, for him if he does indeed stay at Michigan for next year. But I think the reality is there's more smoke, right? And the more smoke there is, the more you think Jim Harbaugh is going to move back to the NFL. You're not going to get too many more of these chances. You've done what you could at Michigan, I know people say, well, he wants to win a national championship. I, I feel like he's already accomplished everything he needs to there. Three straight college football playoffs. Again, Zero program in. that's that's won a, a half a championship in the last twenty five plus years and hasn't won an outright championship going back to what, nineteen forty eight? So <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> I mean, to me, uh, he's he's accomplished a lot. There's not much more to do uh with what he's done. In Michigan, and there is a team now interested that I think would be the absolute perfect fit for him. Makes
1: too much sense. Entirely too much sense. The Chargers
0: are interested in Harbaugh. Now, again, he's flirted around these NFL jobs for years, including an interview with the Vikings' last off season that apparently got derailed, we learned after the fact, uh, by a Michigan booster who doesn't like Harbaugh. Go figure. But Carolina was interested previously uh, Chicago, there's been chatter about that. But to me, the Chargers are the perfect fit. You come in, he already has his quarterback. That's the biggest thing. Justin Herbert is his quarterback. He has the elite quarterback. He has the pieces around that quarterback. It just comes down to better coaching and staying healthy, which the Chargers can seemingly never do. And, of course, better management.
1: It makes too much sense in a lot of ways because you mentioned those things. You have a franchise quarterback and Justin Herbert. The biggest thing, too, for me is you have an open GM spot. Yeah. And I do think that to lure Jim Harbaugh back to the NFL, a franchise is going to have to give some portion of personnel control to Jim Harbaugh. And whether that's the push that he needs to go there as opposed to something else could be it. You look at the Bears and they have Ryan Poles as GM. Also consider the fact that Jim Harbaugh and Kevin Warren the president of the Chicago bears aren't necessarily the (laughs) best of friends with Kevin Warren's history as big 10 commissioner. So you look at the chargers and it just makes a whole hell of a lot of sense as that team that checks the most boxes in the NFL as in terms of teams that are interested in Jim Harbaugh.
0: I just think, why would you want to go anywhere else? This is set up for you to make the playoffs. If everyone can stay healthy in year one, and I get it. the The AFC West is is crazy, but the Raiders certainly aren't trending upward. The Chiefs, you feel like eventually they're gonna fall off, right? Because of how much money's invested just into Patrick Mahomes, and Denver. I mean, yeah, Russell Wilson's had a bounce back year, but he's on the tail end of his career. Like you're in a spot where you could claim a
1: wild card at worst. And get is into what the they did? Season. They did last year. Yeah, I mean they went ten and seven. Made the playoffs as a wild card team, lost to the Jaguars, a one point loss on the road. Which was a terrible loss because of how it transpired. Right, with a big lead that you blew. But this is a team with recent success. Ten and seven a year ago, first time in the playoffs since twenty eighteen, but they had went from since getting uh Justin Herbert, went seven wins, nine wins, ten wins before this season. It's not a complete rebuild. You can have some semblance of personnel control. You build around Justin Herbert. just makes too much sense. And, and I do think after Michigan loses to Alabama, yes, they will lose to Alabama, <laughs> is three years in the college football playoff, zero wins for Jim Harbaugh. He's really going to look at it, if he hasn't already, and said, I've done all I can at Michigan. And take the the allegations and the, the violations out of it. You look at a guy that has won everywhere he has been. And I think he will look at it as the apex of what he's been able to do at Michigan.
0: And I, I get that the rumors have been flying for weeks about Bill Belichick going to the Chargers. What's no, it's not happening. I, I just don't see it. And and now there are recent reports a couple days ago. Uh, the Chargers may be wary of hiring Belichick. Yeah, they should be because it's a guy who hasn't adjusted to the modern NFL. Yeah, you'd have a quarterback, but how would you ruin them? Oh, I don't know, by not having a, an offensive <laughs> coordinator like you did last year. I mean, it's like that kind of malpractice. Look, Belichick was a great coach. Was
1: he no longer was. is? He's a a a legend of a bygone era. Correct. Basically, is and what Jim
0: Harbaugh is. would be a guy you could bring in, a guy who has had success in multiple college programs. Obviously, had success in San Francisco, rebuilding that franchise. Chargers aren't a rebuild that's the thing like they've had injuries this year and they already have a quarterback Harbaugh didn't necessarily have a, a quarterback Uh, yeah he had Alex Smith but Alex Smith was was limited we saw him have a good career but he was never great Kaepernick at least got him to a Super Bowl but he has an elite quarterback something he never even had in San Francisco let alone outside of Andrew Luck hasn't had in college
1: right. If Jim Harbaugh goes back to the NFL, wherever he goes, it will be a decade since he coached in the pros. Last year was 2014. Do you think there will be an adjustment period for Jim Harbaugh returning to the NFL after 10 years? I don't think so because the NFL has adopted so
0: much of the college game within those last 10 years about the style of play. And Herbert's already, you know, shotgun snaps for for almost every play. Pistol, all those, you know, spread offenses, all that stuff's been adapted and adjusted. So I don't think it's as, as big of an adjustment as a lot of people think. And again, because he's previously been an NFL head coach, no one's going to have the doubts of, oh, a college coach can't have success in the pros
1: because he already had pro success. If you had to put a percentage on it, how likely is it that Jim Harbaugh is back at Michigan? Ooh. Do you think it, 30 to 35% so it's under 50%? You, yeah, I think I, it's I would agree. Well, like, under I could, you could even convince, convince me to say 40%, but I do think the odds are in the favor of Jim Harbaugh exiting Michigan, regardless of what happens. If you like, win a national championship, great. That, that's how you go out. Yeah. If you lose, if you're one and done, if you make the the championship game, I, I think regardless of what happens, he has back to the NFL.
0: Well, and, and because of the notice of the allegations, I mean, the level one is the, the, most serious thing because he didn't cooperate. It wasn't necessarily what he did; said so he didn't cooperate, and he didn't necessarily cooperate again uh, in the second half of the season. So, and everyone, I love the quote and the story from the NCA Vice President of Hearing Operations, Derek Crawford. The Michigan infractions case is related to impermissible on and off-campus recruiting period during the COVID nineteen dead period and impermissible coaching activities. Not a cheeseburger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is what people think that he yeah. just bought somebody a hamburger or something no that's not that's not what's going on here so
0: by him Deeper not cooperating you're gonna have a bigger suspension awaiting him whenever this finally goes I mean this could take years right we know how yeah. slow the NCAA moves so why would you stay slow. go to the pro and, and I think I, I heard somebody about people say well those penalties by the NCAA you know that could impact and I'm like that didn't impact Pete Carroll
1: nah it's not gonna impact the NFL they don't care yeah so, he's already served a three-game suspension, so there's already precedent. It can only get worse from there. Well, you he feel served like. two three-game uh, suspensions. That's true. Forgot <laughs> the first one. So,
0: yeah. like, wh- why why does he keep putting up with this, knowing that he could go to an NFL job that is right there for the taking in terms of a team that is capable of getting to the playoffs in the Chargers? Which yeah. I keep saying the Chargers because I otherwise want to say Sandy. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm too. intentionally doing that.
1: Where does Jim Harbaugh end up? Let us know your thoughts. 46862 on the text line. 46862. Text coming in. Bill is a solid coach. I'm a Bill Belichick. Just a terrible GM could work somewhere. Not the Chargers, though. I, I don't know. I Bill Belichick's 71 years old. And has he's has gonna the game want, passed him by? He's going to want what that control. Yes, he is. Which he has in, in New England. So it's a good point with the texter about just a terrible GM. I just, I, I think, I think, What's been proven at least now in Bill Belichick's coaching career is he can't do it all. And at 71, you wonder how many more years he has left. I think the chargers, a certain amount of the chargers think they can bring in and it's a team that's built to win now. And they bring in somebody that they feel can win now, Bill Belichick. I just don't think he can't not anymore.
0: I mean, he's not shown an ability to develop a quarterback beyond Tom Brady I mean, we've had enough of a sample size. He's he's tried with multiple guys. It hasn't worked. And he's the one making the selections. That's, That's the thing that I have the biggest issue with, saying, oh, you know, he's still a good coach. Well, he's also the general manager. And he should be able to evaluate these players and know how he fits into his coaching system and he, he just he can't do that anymore.
1: I think the biggest indictment of, of Bill Belichick to me is he wanted to move on from Tom Brady so Tom Brady goes to Tampa and wins a Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay, that tells me that's he's bad lost. management and coaching. Yeah. <laughs> that tells me he's a guy that's that's lost touch with today's football. And the wins and losses since then have proven that out. <laughs> Someone else saying Harbaugh to the Bills.
0: Also would be a good fit if Sean McDermott gets fired, which didn't he sign an extension over the summer? That has
1: kind of died down after two back-to-back big wins by Buffalo. I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I think McDermott has done enough to keep his job for at least one more year. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going anywhere with how they've rebounded in
0: recent weeks as long as they make the playoffs. I, I would be surprised. if which they're
1: a, still on the outside looking in yeah. heading into this weekend. I,
0: I, I just think Harbaugh's Arbaugh, a perfect fit for the Chargers. And why would he want to go to Chicago? Why would he go to Carolina? Where Carolina, you have a meddling owner who seems to be completely clueless and just hiring and firing people uh, without giving people even time to, to build anything. And then Chicago, I mean, we, we don't have to go into the Bears issues. They don't yeah. even own their stadium. Uh, Kevin Warren and... Harbaugh aren't going to get along, so
1: it is what it is. Best case, it makes way too much sense for the Chargers. We'll see what happens.
0: 46862, let us know your thoughts on the text line again. 46862. Coming up on the other side, what's more important in college football today? Is it National Signing Day and high school recruiting, or is it recruiting players out of the portal? That's next here on Caleb Kinney in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan, one hundred point nine FM. Weezer. Weezer, yeah, yeah, Weezer, Weezer on a Thursday. Yeah, running out of time to play Christmas music. I'm just warning you.
1: Well, I always forget to find uh, uh, a <laughs> rejoin music until the the rejoin starts playing, and then I'm scrambling. <laughs> been there. I don't do my due diligence. No, I, I've been there. You're panicking. You're like, oh, just play a song. Just play something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So now I'm trying to, when I'm on it, I'll pick one as we come out of the break. I'll pick one for the next break, but half the time I don't do that. So we had National Signing Day yesterday. Obviously, the portal
0: still ongoing, and I think it, it bears a bigger question after what we saw yesterday. What is more important? Because I think the narrative has shifted from recruiting being the key thing. If, if your favorite team can be a contender, whether in their conference or nationally, Used to, that used to be it, but now at the portal, which has kind of made college football into the Wild West, is that more important? I think there, there's a question, because if schools are losing up to 25 or so players to the portal, you can't necessarily keep up, because high school guys aren't going to be ready, especially in college football, in year number one, most of the time. You might have a small handful, right? but that number is less than five, and... You know, it it bears a bigger question. Is it is it fair fans say why care about National Signing Day if players are gonna transfer anyway? Is the portal usurped National Signing Day in importance to build a winner in college football?
1: Well, I think what happens is it all depends on what where you're at, what situation you're in as a program, doesn't it? I mean, just feels like if uh if if you need I think the the, the core, the basis of college athletics and, and, and teams is still going to be the multi-year recruit that comes in as a freshman. That's still going to be the base, the core. But it's where you're at as a program. You looked at what Colorado had to do last year and try to load up really quick. I think for the top programs that maybe are missing something here or there, you can go in the portal. But I still think the bulk of everything in terms of building a program and sus- having sustained success is going to be that basis of an incoming freshman staying for multiple years. At least they hope so.
0: Well, I think the other thing you have to keep in mind, the portal is the new shiny object, right? And that will fade over time. Players will, will have a better understanding of the one-time transfer truly is a one-time transfer, unless you're going to grad transfer. And by that point, you have to be good enough and established enough to, to warrant interest from teams to even be on the radar. Um, Very few guys are at that level, right? I mean, it's notable because they get the headlines, but there aren't many guys like that in in college football. There are a lot of guys who are entering the portal and they're not even playing D1 ever again. And maybe that's the aspect we have to keep in mind in this process is that because the portal is new, maybe it feels more important. And and it is more important if you are a new coach at a new program.
1: Yeah, it's... It, it, the, the transfer portal can get you out of trouble faster than you otherwise would be able to. New coaches coming in, mass exodus for whatever reason, injuries, something like that. It, it's a quicker fix. But I still think that the priority is, and, and the most important is, that recruitment of high school players.
0: I mean, you look at what Colorado did in, in recruiting. I mean, they, they had... Five people signed yesterday, just five and five they're waiting the on uh, one guy who committed, which is the five star tackle. Uh, he has not signed, but he just committed like a couple weeks ago.
1: But I also think a lot of programs and coaches are watching Colorado to see how that how this philosophy of Dion works and putting more onus in on the portal. If that works out for Colorado, then I think you're gonna see more programs and coaches echo that. I have my doubts on that being the that being the, the 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 solution to being consistently contending. I think Colorado to be have staying power under Deion has to put more of an onus on recruiting high school players.
0: But and if, if he proves odd. that wrong,
1: if he proves that wrong, then everything is up in the air. Then there could be an absolute core shift into more in the portal.
0: It's odd to me that Colorado
1: hasn't had more success recruiting high school players. Is it they can't recruit or is Dion just not putting enough on it and try? Is he not even trying comparatively? Because I feel if you went out and, and made it a priority, they could land a pretty decent class.
0: Like I just last don't year. Think he cares. Yeah, last year they added 51 transfers, but again, that's because new coach, new program, they had to completely rebuild. There's a mass exodus. The program was in shambles. Let's right. let's not forget that. And they they had a decent recruiting class. Like they added uh, 21 guys. And it was, you know, a top 30 class. Obviously the top transfer class, but that's because of sheer numbers. But then for for them what they did this year, it was just a, a basically a zero. And I'm just puzzled that
1: that's how that played out. Meanwhile, you look at the portal right now with Colorado in terms of commitments, and it's a lot. It's a lot of dudes. Not as many as last year yet, but you're looking at upwards of 15, 17, and one of them being Khalil Benson from Indiana. But it's still their, their quote-unquote portal class, is three times as big as their freshman class right now. And I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on Boulder, Colorado to see, is this work? Because if it does, you will see a shift of other programs going away from bringing in high schoolers and putting more onus on the portal. Like we've seen Dion do. Uh,
0: It's the ultimate test case for this question I still think if you can build your within your own program and get twenty-five or so guys every year out of high school knowing that you'll lose three, four, or five of them, most likely any given year, that's still a better numbers game than scrambling in the portal every offseason, oh, knowing agree. you need to get fifteen, twenty, twenty-five or in more.
1: A, in a guys. short amount of time. Yeah. In about a month time. And frame. you never really know who's gonna be in the portal. Yeah, you can have inklings. You're not supposed to talk to them, but you have people that will talk to these players, right? And people, players reaching out, stuff like that. But it's still you're putting a lot, a lot of of uh, pressure on your portal. And Colorado's done that the last couple of years. They they made significant improvements this past year. We'll see if they make another jump with that philosophy. And remember, these NIL collectives have to decide now between.
0: High school recruits and players in the portal, and I think that money shifted to players in the portal based on what we've seen because we saw a lot more parity in terms of recruiting out of high school uh, that we haven't seen in
1: quite some time. That money is definitely filtering to the players that need it at least to commit to their program, whether it is in the portal or straight out of high school.
0: 46862, your text line number again, 46862 coming up on the other side. Some may say there are too many bowl games, but after what we saw a couple nights ago, maybe there aren't enough. Some funny lines, funny moments, everything. This game had it all a couple nights ago. The uh matchup between UTSA and Marshall in the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl. We'll explain what you miss next. Here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan, one hundred point nine FM. Little Trans Siberian Orchestra. I am a, a I'm a Mannheim Steamroller guy. Myself. Are you? Yeah. Grew up listening to that.
1: So Mannheim over TSO. Yeah. Um, I can get it. I I think you can't go wrong with either.
0: No. I I, I would fully agree with that. Uh, 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Uh, Just put in CK before your message. You can also stream us, 1380thefan.com, via the The 1380thefan app, or your smart speaker as well. So just uh, free to listen, free to download the app, uh, or just say, hey, play 1380thefan to Alexa, Google. Are there any other like smart speakers out, like I don't
1: I don't know um, enough. Um me neither. I don't know anything about smart. We talked about this before. We're, yeah. We both have dumb houses. Yes. <laughs> the the smartest thing I
0: have is a smartphone and uh smart TV and one of them is is dumb. Was dumb that we had to well it was smart then it became dumb and we had to make it smart again.
1: You know, speaking of smart and dumb, so my my son had to take placement tests for him to go to Bishop Lures next uh-huh. year. And we got the results back, and they have a bunch of numbers. But basically, they equate it down to what grade level you're at in each primary subject. So I think it was like uh, reading, math, and uh, language arts. Uh huh. So he scored in the middle school level in all three, but his highest—this is why I was like la- chuckled at this rank, at his ranking. His highest was math, in which he is not good at math. <laughs> okay. He, he like eighth or like eighth grade math or something like that. Like he's not even close. So that to me was like I'm not putting too much stock into these things because his worst subject is math, and yet he scored <laughs> the highest in math. But uh, it is a kind of a. I told my wife, I was like, it's better than him like blowing it, blowing it out of the water than getting into his placement classes next year and be like completely lost. That's true. So. You don't you don't want to like. Overdo it. Yeah, you don't want to have a great day of testing and then just be screwed with the classes you're put in.
0: I I can't really I was always terrible at standardized tests. Like I I'd pass I step I don't even know what they call it now, but I'd pass I step I learn, I think. Yeah. When it came to ACT SAT, like no. I took I I took both and neither of them helped.
1: I don't even remember my I know I took the SATs. I don't even remember. My My scores were not good. Nothing impressive. No. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like standardized testing either, but anyway. We got to talk about bowl games.
0: Yeah, Uh, bowl games, which students, thankfully in this one, are already already done with class, I I am positive. But UTSA and Marshall played a couple nights ago in the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl. The Scooters Coffee aspect of this is important. So UTSA got their first bowl win in school history, and players dumped a Gatorade container full of Scooters Coffee. (laughs) Hot uh, cold oh, okay well that would almost be worth like at least make it warm uh down uh jeff trailer and he said quote i will always remember having cold coffee running down my crack
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh if that's a memory you'll remember uh from a bowl game then uh i don't know what is pretty pretty impressive so and then
0: he was seen in the in the press conference after the game so they rallied from a 14 nothing deficit to come back and win and win their first bowl game in school history then he was also seen drinking like an iced coffee like during the press conference at 12 30 in the morning <laughs>
1: <laughs> from uh from scooters scooters yeah. is nice i think they they have one in wabash yeah they're no, building so one in huntington
0: here's the thing so i I'm like, Scooter's Coffee, like, I've never heard of it. And then I realized, no, I've heard of it because I know we've driven past the one, I want to say in Decatur. Okay. As you mentioned, there's one in oh, Wabash, yeah, there is
1: one in Decatur, you're right.
0: Uh, Bluffton, Kindleville, Portland. So the surrounding area, just not in Fort Wayne. And I'm like, ah, huh. there's a way to localize the story. Now I want to try Scooter's
1: Coffee suddenly. Yeah, it's pretty solid, actually. Um, but the, the bowl games, I
0: think, the ones that aren't part of the New Year Six or the college football playoff, in order to have some relevancy... They need to have a great tie-in yes. with some sort of, preferably food sponsor. I mean, you, you have the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl, so you're getting a lot of press and people talking about that quote, and you people learning, oh, there's Scooters
1: Coffee nearby. Okay, uh, you have Pop Tarts Bowl, where you have an edible Pop Tart to eat, which is going to be December twenty eighth, a week from today, which I'm going to have to watch. Just you already that. had the
0: famous Toastery Bowl with players. I think were were like throwing around toast or French toast on the field, like it's a brunch place. There's a, a way to make this work and to get attention. Obviously I mean, the, the mayo, Duke's mayo yeah, Bowl, the, which is the, gross, the cheese, it bowl, RIP, uh, but announced the cheese, it citrus bowl. So that we still have that tie in dumping a, a cheese, it bath. You had the, the mayo bath as well for the Duke's mayo bowl. Um, what else am I forgetting here? I mean, the classic one is the Orange Bowl.
1: Well, which which that was kind of the OG, and all you did was just have a bowl of oranges sitting there as they were yeah. presented the trophy, or the trophy had oranges in it, right? I mean, wh- when you look at activation for bowl season, I think this is huge in terms of who, is, who would be otherwise talking about the Mayo Bowl? Who would otherwise be talking about the Scooters Bowl? Hot, what I mean, is Scooters the, Christmas the Pop-Tarts Bowl, bowl is like all the buzz, yes. right? Because of this edible mascot. You know, I I believe this is how we we say why are people spending money to sponsor these things? If you use it as serious activation, if you're food based, here you go, famous Idaho Potato Bowl that has potatoes. Uh, we
0: obviously used to have R.I.P. the Outback Bowl, which never really the, did much activation. Did uh, it? They had the Bloom and Onion mascot that would kind yeah, of wander I could around. See that.
1: Can't even.
0: And them, then of though. course Notre Dame and the the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Can you eat up, some
1: some frosted like our, Flakes? yeah. Are they
0: getting our boxes of frosted flakes going to be on the field after the game? Like wow, that'd be huge. Activation. I want a
1: frosted flakes bath. Yeah, I would take a cheese that it would bath. be great.
0: I mean, th- these are all ideas. Would it and, be
1: great or great?
0: I see what you did there. I <laughs> see. I like it. I like it. Look, if 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 uh, Notre Dame or Oregon State, whoever wins that game, if there is not a Gatorade container full of frosted flakes dumped on the winning head coach, opportunity they're not lost. doing it right. I just think these are like the fun moments in sports. And I get it. People want to say there are too many bowl games. Nobody cares. Blah, blah, blah. But these are the, the way to get people engaged and um, and to get them interested. It's it's a storyline.
1: It's a hook that otherwise people wouldn't be interested in. And it's worked for several bowls and hopefully more uh, use it as well. Did you see this text that came in talking about smart devices? uh uh-uh. <laughs> says, Smart devices is a misnomer. Yesterday, when Caleb said, Alexa, I lost my stream and had to ask it to play 1380 again, missing a minute of show. So we'll see if the texter has been disconnected from the (laughs) show again. (laughs) Good job. Because you said it yesterday and it screwed up the stream. You you screwed it up again. They're only as smart as you think they are until. (laughs) Whoa, somebody. uh, uh, Alexa? Sorry, said it again. We'll I, had, I had no idea,
0: on. but I think that's, that's uh is that, that the key word for those?
1: Yeah. You, you say, have to say, you say, Hey, and then whichever, and then play 1380. The fan. Okay. So we'll see if the texter lost the signal again, because we said it. I'm blaming you. You, you intentionally, I, you do it for everything else. Why not now? <laughs> Keep it going.
0: Four, six, eight, six, two, your text line number four, six, eight, six, two. Is there a bowl game with a food tie in that is your favorite past or present? Um, Look, you even had some bowl games ahead of their time. Remember the Bitcoin bowl like a decade ago? That's true. Ahead
1: of its time. Very true. I, I would like the beer bowl. I don't know if you can get away with that. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not, but I don't even care what beer it is. But, I'm uh, looking
0: to make sure we didn't forget any food related. Nothing's coming to mind. No, I'm looking at the list like is right to still, my left. It's not
1: the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. No, still, that, that
0: that's been gone for a kay. while. I, I don't even know who is the the Fiesta Bowl sponsor. Yeah, there used to be a beat Bowl. Oh, it's the Verbo. Yeah, they're right. You're right. There used to be a Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Yeah. There, remember the Beef O'Brady's Bowl? Yes,
1: I do. The <laughs> the poor imitation of the B- yeah beat up. Yeah, we had that when I lived in Peru, Indiana, when I had a uh, uh, first newspaper job out of college, and they had a Beef O'Brady's. That Not was very like, good. No, it's uh, but when you're in Peru, Indiana, and there is literally nothing else, that is like the 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 mecca. To go eat because you could, and it was just right around when the Big Ten Network came out. So I remember going there on Saturdays and just drinking and eating and watching college football all day. And Beef O'Brady's was it in Peru, Indiana.
0: Did, did you not have Big Ten Network at home? No, I didn't because it was extra. It's probably hard. Yeah, it's probably yes, it was expensive. extra
1: and all that stuff. And I don't even know if I had cable to be to, and honestly, I think I did, but I didn't have Big Ten Network. But yeah, Beef O'Brady's was the place back in the day because there was nowhere else to go in Peru, Indiana.
0: Coming up next, a lost dog found after living six and a half years on her own. I'll explain what happened here next as we wrap it up here on Thursday. Caleb and Kenny in the Morning, 1380 The Fan, and 100.9 FM. Wrapping up here on a Thursday, Caleb and Kenny in the Morning,
1: 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. It's not very frightful outside. No. We haven't had real true winter yet. And again, a song.
0: That is a winter song, not a Christmas only song. And that's something you brought up before that yes. bothers you. Yes,
1: yes. walking in a winter wonderland, Frosty the Snowman, but winter is synonymous with Christmas or vice Let versa. it
0: snow. They they are very much. So you want to continue to hear these songs, songs yes. in February? But I'm also the same notion that I am perfectly fine listening to Christmas music through January first or second. Okay but I don't start everything on November 1st. Like a lot of you people, you people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> call me out. It's not on my choice. Trust I, me. No, I know. I'm choice. not calling you out. <laughs> I just call my wife out. All right, let's get to this. A, a fun
0: story to close the, a lost dog was found after six and a half years living on her own in the woods. Dog named Rose found living in the woods in England, six and a half years after she fled from her new family Fewer than 24 hours after being adopted.
1: So uh, they had him for barely a day and then uh-huh. didn't have
0: him for six years. But uh, team members from Lost Dog Recovery UK South, uh, they were alerted to a stray dog uh, in Crawley Down, West Sussex in late November. So they set up cameras to investigate whether it was a loose canine or a pet that was allowed to roam free. They discovered the dog was a black Patterdale Terrier Neighbors told the rescuers they had been feeding the stray dog for years. The dog was lured into <laughs> a trap baited with chicken. Rescue group was shocked to learn the canine had been reported missing six and a half years earlier by that family. Again, who adopted her fewer than 24 hours before she fled. The dog determined to be 12 years old now,
1: lived half of her life in the woods after fleeing. Because people kept feeding. I was wondering, how, how did she survive? But people kept feeding her, apparently. Yeah. But sounds like there was no collar, there was no microchip on the dog. As even if you have it just for twenty four hours, make sure it's chipped or has a tag on it. Because and, I, I'm wondering now, like, did did the family move on? I'm well, sure they've got other dogs. He, he, here's like, the
0: thing. The family who originally adopted Rose, unable to take her back, their life circumstances changed. Oh. Happy to hear she was found alive and well. But yeah. Huh. That's, the the dog will be up for uh, adoption soon.
1: So, uh, uh, interesting story, but, you know, just feeding feeding animals around your house, apparently, uh, sustained this animal for years. Years. But it's amazing because this is my, like, we we have a couple stray cats hanging around the neighborhood and then uh-huh. everybody's wondering, oh my gosh, what are they going to do in the wintertime? Like, they figured out. Like, this dog lived in the wild for six years in the United Kingdom. It's not very warm in the United Kingdom. No. So, he was fine, or she was fine. So, I don't really worry too much about the stray cats. I don't worry about live cats. I don't worry about our cat. My, if our cat disappeared tomorrow, best <laughs> day of my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll wrap up the show. Thanks for joining us here on a Thursday. Dan Patrick coming up next. The Herd with Colin Cowherd coming up at noon, Indiana Sports meet with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4, and the Sports Rush with Shannon Griffith filling in for Brett Rump today from 4 to 6, right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.